Welcome to Raise the Line with Osmosis.org, seeking solutions with leading experts on how to increase healthcare capacity so people can get the care they need during the COVID-19 crisis and beyond. Hi, I'm Shiv Gulani, the co-founder of Osmosis. Physician assistants remain one of the fastest growing professions in the U.S., and perhaps reflective of that, Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center recently announced a major expansion of its PA program. On Ray's line today, we're going to find out what's happening with the profession, the Texas Tech expansion, the impact of COVID on medical education, and much more with our guest, Christina Robom, who's the regional dean at Texas Tech. Christina is a distinguished fellow of the American Academy of Physician Assistants and has been with Texas Tech in various roles since 2014. She started her career as a PA at the University of Colorado Denver Health Sciences Center. So Christina, thanks for taking the time to be with us today. Absolutely, thank you. So I'd like to start first by learning more about you and what first got you interested in healthcare and then the PA career. Well, what originally interested me was likely what most people would say. I enjoyed learning about science and I wanted to help people. And as many young adults, I looked at a lot of different careers in my areas of interest. At first, I had dreams of going into music and business and journalism, but that was short-lived after starting college. So I began looking at some other fields and that included healthcare. I ended up choosing to become a PA after exploring a few different career paths in medicine and nursing. And after I shadowed some physicians, it was suggested I consider the PA profession. So I shadowed a few PAs and I knew that it was the profession that I wanted to pursue. So being able to practice medicine, make autonomous decisions, concentrate on patient care and have that shorter path than medical school was what I really was considering when I considered the PA profession. And after so many years, I would have never dreamed in that time of seeing how the PA profession has grown and evolved and where this journey would actually take me being here at Texas Tech. Certainly. I mean, even in the time uh, we started Osmosis, I've been very impressed with how many more schools and even those schools, how how big the enrollments have grown in the PA uh, career, as well as how international the profession is now, uh, not just in, in the US, but also the UK, Canada, Australia, and several other countries. Yes, when I started PA school, there were less than 50 programs, and now we've grown today to far over 250 programs. That's incredible. I track Bureau of Labor Statistics data, the BLS from the U.S., and PA has always been in the top 20 fastest growing professions, including nurse practitioner and wind turbine repair person, and certainly a good bet to go into. So how did you make the transition from 100% clinical practice to then going into administrative roles, including your role at Texas Tech? So I was in full-time clinical practice for three years in private practice, first for a year in family medicine, and then in general pediatrics for a couple of years. I knew early that I ultimately wanted to be in PA education. And at that time, the master's degree was optional. So I started on the pathway and completed my master of science degree in child health associate studies at the University of Colorado. And that was two years after I earned my PA certificate. And then a year later, a faculty position opened at the University of Colorado PA program, and I threw my application in for consideration. It was a bit surprising that I was hired on that that path. So I started on faculty at CU in the CHA PA program, where I was for 12 years and ended there as an associate professor and associate program director. I then left and worked at Carroll University as a program director for a little over a year before coming to Texas Tech University Health Sciences Center in 2014 as the program director. 
And since then, I've been afforded many opportunities for growth and leadership development, accepting the role as regional dean for the School of Health Professions and finishing my Doctor of Medical Science degree in education at the University of Lynchburg about two years ago. Uh, wearing a lot of hats, and you've obviously been very busy over the past seven years, probably much busier now because of the significant expansion of the PA program that was announced just this spring. Can you tell us a bit about Texas Tech's uh, Health Sciences Center and then specifically you know, what's prompting the PA program expansion? Sure. So TTUHSC is the largest producer of health profession graduates, and it covers all of West Texas. And that's the largest producer in Texas. So with the five schools in our institution, the main campus is in Lubbock, and we have regional campuses throughout West Texas, including Midland, Odessa, Abilene, Amarillo, and Dallas. In addition, TTUHSC Managed Care provides health care services for more than 32,000 of the state offenders in the correctional health care across West Texas. So working at TTUHSC has been truly an amazing experience. This is likely due to the values-based culture with the core values integral to our purpose and vision at the Health Sciences Center. And those values are one team, kind-hearted, integrity, visionary, and beyond service. And it's through the integration of those values in our daily work that the strategic vision of innovation and collaboration set by our president continues to grow. And together we move forward that mission of the institution to improve health throughout our communities. With the expansion of our PA program, it was originally started 21 years ago with the vision of our leaders in the community to improve healthcare access in this region. And the initial investment from the state of Texas started the PA program here on the Midland College campus that is about 130 miles south of Lubbock. And now fast forward 20 years, the state of Texas again saw the need to continue working on the issue of healthcare access and affordability and made the investment of $20 million towards the expansion of the building. And an additional $10 million was needed and the community of Midland stepped up to help with that. So with large gifts from the Midland Development Corporation, Permian Strategic Partnership, the Scarborough Foundation, and a few others, we started construction just a couple of months ago on the 24,000 square foot addition that's going to include a gross anatomy cadaver lab, which will be the only anatomy cadaver lab in this region, a collaborative learning classroom and additional student space, and then renovating the current 27,000 square foot building to improve the classrooms and add a standardized patient simulation center and also improve all of our other classroom spaces. This is pretty amazing for a PA program and I've never seen another facility like this that is 100% dedicated to a PA program. So we have now applied to our accrediting agency to increase the maximum class size from 60 to 72 students when the project is completed in May of 2022. That's awesome. I mean, it's pretty impressive uh, in terms of the amount of growth and the fact that not just the state, but the specific community in Midland uh, also stepped up. Um, and hopefully that'll, that'll show up in terms of increased access and quality of care in the region. So looking back over the past year and a half, I'm curious what your assessment's been about how Texas Tech specifically has responded to the pandemic. And what do you think the lasting impacts will be of the COVID pandemic on PA education or medical education in general? Well, under our president's leadership, I believe our institution did a tremendous job adjusting to the education delivery and the patient care during these unprecedented times. There wasn't a manual for this. So we all had to do our best as a team to pivot and find the best solutions on very short notice. 
On the educational side of things, we quickly learned how to deliver education online and rethink how students could complete their clinical rotations and their coursework and keep everyone safe at the same time. For our PA program, we were lucky that we did not have to completely suspend our rotations. We still had clinical instructors and preceptors willing to have our students continuing in their clinical rotations. And then everyone stepped up across our institution to help educate our students, find PPE, which was a major challenge because our students needed to bring their own PPE to most of their rotations with the shortages. And then everything else we had to do in the process of that as well. And there were some specialties that we had to get creative and have some additional online activities to supplement when we were not seeing the normal types of patient conditions. It was amazing in reaching out to other PA programs that we all really banded together and tried to give ideas and resources across the board so that all of the PA programs could be successful during that time. And now as we're looking back at how the pandemic changed us, in some ways we evolved and found better ways to teach. Um, TTUHSC was always a leader in telemedicine and we are learning how we can expand that education across all of our programs and working together to do so. In other ways, we are happy to be returning to what we were doing previously, especially this fall being able to get all of our students back face to face again, because we really do miss having the students in the interaction on a daily basis. And overall, we learned together, and I believe the values of TTUHSC helped us through a very difficult time. Yeah, it's what they say, you know, some organizations get stronger as a result of, of crises like, like what, we've, what we've all kind of been through, and hopefully... Um, we'll continue seeing this return to normalcy. So you preempted my next question, which was about, you know, topics that you'd focus on as an educator that you think this next generation of healthcare professionals should be focused on. For example, you mentioned that even before COVID, uh, you all had been engaged in telehealth and telehealth education. Obviously, telehealth saw a huge boon uh, out of necessity over the past year and a half, um, and much of that will be here to stay. You know, in addition to telehealth, what other kind of knowledge gaps or recommendations do you have for PA programs and other health science programs all across the country to, to focus on in their curriculum? Well, I think one thing I really appreciate about osmosis is that we have learned that everybody learns differently. And as we've been working through our curriculum and looking at individual students, we feel that this is a platform that gives us another resource and method for students to learn and practice different things that they are learning through the rest of our program. And in terms of other things that COVID revealed, I would say really in my area of expertise, it comes to healthcare access. And as you talked about telehealth and telemedicine, that's one piece of that in addition to all the improvements we're making with our program in order to have more students and ultimately more graduates providing care. So in West Texas, especially, we lack healthcare providers. And that's part of the reason our program is expanding. And it's a place the PA profession can be part of the solution because of our ability to educate people in 27 to 36 months, depending on the program. And those graduates ultimately come out and provide very high quality and affordable care to our patients. We also have the ability within our profession to quickly pivot in our educational programs. Because of that short-term nature of our, our education program, we can set the competency and quickly change curriculum in areas such as telemedicine or team-based healthcare to help improve that access. I think that's a really key 
uh, insight. The PA programs we work with and people we know tend to be very innovative as well. And, and the shorter cycle of, of curriculum means that it can be tweaked. Um, not in real time, obviously these things take time, but you know, when I was, when I started medical school myself at Johns Hopkins, they were still talking about the Flexner report, which came out, you know, more than a century ago. And so the whole two-year preclinical, two-year clinical has been the dominant form of medical education. And it's not been as susceptible to changes as quickly as we'd like, given, you know, how, how the profession itself is changing from fee-for-service to value-based and, and all sorts of other changes we're seeing. So as you know, we have a, a massive audience of current and future healthcare professionals. Uh, many of them are obviously just beginning their careers in healthcare. What advice do you give your students at TTUHSC and what advice would you give our audience about uh, entering their career in the health profession? Well, I'd say my advice would be to follow your passion. Identify your strengths and set your goals. You know, being a PA might not be the perfect thing for everybody, but if it is among your strengths, it's a great career to follow. And I love being a PA, would never trade it. But there's a lot of other professions and careers in healthcare. So shadow those professionals, talk to them about the good and the bad parts of their daily jobs, because there are good and bad parts to every job. And you'll be able to identify that specific role in that right path for you that you will be able to follow your passion and make a difference in those years to come. Oh, that's excellent advice. And is there anything else you want to be able to share with our audience before we let you go uh, back to your day job as regional dean? <laughs> no, I just thank you for the opportunity to, to talk a little bit more about TTUHSC and RPA program and the exciting things that are on the horizon for us. Well, thank you, Dean Robum. Really appreciate your time on the Raise Line podcast and more importantly, the work that you do to raise line and educate the next generation of healthcare providers. Thank you. And with that, I'm Shifiglani. Thank you to our audience for checking out today's show. And remember to do your part to flatten the curve and raise line since we're all in this together. Take care. For more information on how you can help raise the line and flatten the curve, go to osmosis.org slash COVID-19. If you like this podcast, please share it on your social channels. You can also subscribe to the series and check out all of our podcasts at osmosis.org slash raise the line podcast.